there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, awesome Java junkies, and welcome to another episode of T4C. Have you ever wondered how we here at T4C or the other awesome podcasts you listen to make it all happen? Well, we have got the bona fide podcast expert here with us today to take you inside the podcast and radio broadcasting industries, and most importantly, to help you get your own podcast and reporting or interviewing skills to stand out among the tons of new podcasts out there. But before I introduce you to Lauren Ober, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's our weekly newsletter that we drop on Monday mornings to give you an overview of the five new episodes we're going to be dropping each day that week. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number four coffee.org and sign up. And while you're there, you should also check out the rest of the homepage where we've got all the T4C episodes organized by career. So, for example, if you're an aspiring journalist, you can click on the journalism category and every interview we've done in that field, including today's episode, will be right there. Okay, my friends, it's that time. So grab your mug and take a chug of a delicious caffeinated beverage because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest today is Lauren Ober, an award-winning radio journalist and podcast expert and the former host of NPR's fantastic show that was all about podcasts, The Big Listen. Lauren has been in the podcasting industry for over five years, but she's been a journalist for 16. And boy, does she know that field inside and out. She's also produced and reported stories for podcasts and radio shows like 99% Invisible and NPR's All Things Considered. And today, Lauren works as a big-time podcast consultant for all kinds of impressive clients, including PBS, the Library of Congress, and get this, the CIA, helping them get their own podcasts off the ground and into your ears. She is the self-declared tape sync queen of DC. Huh. I wonder, we're going to have to ask her about that. And she's an absolute rock star on the mic. Lauren, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? I mean, I'm definitely ready to go. I don't know if I'm caffeinated quite at this particular moment, but I'm happy to be here. Well, thank you so much. And we should tell Java Junkies that we had a little conversation in my kitchen because we're actually doing this interview today in my home. And you confess to me that you are actually not a lover of the Java. I'm not. I didn't grow up with it. My parents don't drink coffee. So we never had coffee in my house. We had tea. And so I'm a tea drinker. It's I'm sorry okay. to disappoint. It's okay. We allow people of all persuasions in my home <laughs> and on this show. Good, good. So Lauren, let us jump right into the Tennis Espresso shots. The first question, what 
entry-level jobs are available to young people who want to break into podcasting and journalism? So in terms of audio production, there are a lot of assistant producer positions. I think most young people today have a familiarity with digital media. A lot of kids already are producing their own videos, making their own music, doing stuff already with digital editing software. And so making the jump to audio isn't that tough. There's tons of free audio software out there that people have learned on. And so I think that the assistant producer position is like an on-ramp. And because there are lots of companies and media organizations interested in having podcasts now, they're looking for people who know how to do production. Now, I wouldn't say that that's just anybody who knows how to use a computer. I think that you need to have a love of the voice. You need to have a love of the audio medium. It's a little bit different than film and television and other broadcasts because it's a little bit more intimate and it's not using images. It's just using your ears. Yeah, but there are actually quite a lot of jobs out there for people who know how to do that or who have some basic skills in digital editing. Fantastic. What, in your opinion, Lauren, is a useful skill or skills that you look for in the people that you've hired over the years? Curiosity, which is not a skill, but that is a mindset. And it's people who are interested in talking to other people, learning from other people, learning how things work, want to solve problems. It is something I think people can foster. And the great thing is like it doesn't cost anything. Absolutely. There's a picture of me, I kid you not, in my high school yearbook with my hand raised. And it says underneath the caption is, I have a question because that was always what I was doing. Right. Right. I think that's really important. I can't stress enough the importance of curiosity in media, but also in any kind of jobs. Also writing, like you have to write. I can't stress that enough. Curiosity in writing. I'm going to amend my answer. You know what? We letting it slide right under. Thank you. I haven't moved on to number three, but (laughs) now I'm at number three. Okay. Is someone's major a deciding factor to break into the field of journalism and podcasting? No, no, absolutely not. In fact, it would be better, I would say, and every J school will hate me for this, but if you major in something else, that you have some expertise in a field, like you're really into history, you're really into economics, you're really into politics, but you also have an interest in media. I think journalism school is really great for fundamentals and also making connections, but it isn't critical. It's also expensive for a lot of people. I'm not talking about grad school. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I know. I mean, the universities that have journalism schools, like they're not cheap. We're not talking about sort of community college. And so I think there isn't anything that's really disqualifying in terms of your academics. I mean, unless you just do terribly at it, but in terms of majors, no, absolutely not. Major in whatever is interesting to you. Now, I know you did get a grad school degree. Yes. How important do you think getting that extra degree is not for the entry-level jobs, but for the later part of their professional life. Do you think that that's an important thing to have? I mean, again, every J school is going to hate me for saying this, but no, I don't think it's important. I think that I went into it because I didn't know how to get into journalism and I was very interested in it. I had done some writing in my undergrad for the school newspaper and I wanted to figure out how to further that and maybe make a job out of it. And I didn't know anybody in that field. So it seemed to me that J school was good for that. But now I always advise people against that because there are a lot of paid internships. There are a lot of places where people can both make some money and learn how to do a thing. That's a cheaper option. But, you know, there are some 
really amazing schools out there that are preparing people for incredible jobs. And so if that is speaking to somebody, then by all means do it, but it is not at all critical. Awesome. What, Lauren, do you think are the kind of life experiences and life experiences like learning languages, working in a school? I know you worked in a school Mm -hmm. after you graduated. What do you think are the best kind of life experiences for someone starting out in this field? So the type of work that I've always done has been interactive with real people, all types of people. And I've always had a foundation in that. I've always worked. I've always had a job since I was 15 years old. And that has brought me into contact with lots of different types of people. And it wasn't until after grad school that I had a career-focused job. So I think to the extent that people can get experience in lots of different types of field, like where you're pressed up against real people. I think particularly people outside your own experience is really important. I mean, I've certainly had jobs and experiences where I'm very much out of my comfort zone. And I think that that's helpful in journalism because you are the conduit for stories in your community or stories in your state or the country or wherever. And hopefully those are going to challenge you and push you and you have to have a comfort level with that. And I think that exposing yourself to all types of experiences, I mean, I know that sounds really big, but I think it's really, really important because you can't make journalism in a vacuum or in your own little bubble. Right. Lying on your couch and watching TV is not the way to become a really good journalist. Right. Or just scrolling Twitter all day or chatting with your friends. And this goes to curiosity. You have to want to interact with people. You have to want to get out of your bubble. And I think that if you are that person who is naturally suited for that, then journalism is a good option. It doesn't pay great, but yeah. you know. Yeah. But I'm I glad you said that. But I mean, it depends on what you want out of your life. Like if you want to feel like you're having an impact and making a difference and you using your voice, you can find jobs that will pay you to do that. Like, are you going to have a yacht from the proceeds of your job? No, but you'll be able to do just fine. Yeah. I think the mega yachts are definitely not going to happen in this line. No, no. But who wants a mega yacht? Like it's a lot to take care of. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. A small, for me, like a small yacht would be. I'm like a canoe. Like maybe (laughs) I'll take a canoe, you know, that's fine. (laughs) So Lauren, what for you is the best part of being in this profession? Well, I've had a lot of different jobs in journalism writ large. I love talking. So getting to talk to as many people as I've been able to talk to is amazing. And really having people trust you with their stories, that's a gift. And then being able to tell them in a way that is real and authentic and sounds the way that they would tell them themselves, I think is really beautiful. And so I think that that's probably, for me, what has been best about my sort of 15 plus years in this is the ability to tell other people's stories and have them trust you with that. And just like meeting cool people people who are doing interesting things. Like journalism is an excuse to be able to go and ask people questions about things that you're curious about of all kinds. You know, I mean, you get to do crazy things. If you just pitch an idea and somebody says yes to it, then you're like, what? I'm getting paid for this. Okay. So the flip side of that question, what for you is the part of your current job or the profession that sucks the most? So audio is really having a moment right now and podcasting is really sexy. But I think what people don't realize is how much work goes into it and how much garbage work goes into it. You know, it's like an iceberg, right? You see the sexy bit on the top, but what you're not seeing is like the vast majority of it, which is underneath the water. And so you're 
setting up interviews with people and you're trying to find studios and you're doing research and you're writing prep, like none of that is sexy and you're fiddling with technology and then sometimes it doesn't work or your microphone, like all of a sudden, like your batteries run and you're like, what? No, this is the worst. And what you get, you make a beautiful thing. I can't remember. There was a writer who said this. I love it and I use it in what I do, but it's like, I hate writing. I love having written and it's very similar. Like I hate the production of it, but I love having made the thing because you come up with a thing and it's really lovely, but it's a very hard craft. It's not at all easy. It's technical. It requires you to access different parts of your brain than just straight up writing does. But all that said, then you get to make something and people listen to it. And that's a really cool thing. Oh my God. I feel like you're tapping into my brain. (laughs) Totally. Okay. So what is the best career advice you've ever gotten? (laughs) I've gotten no career advice in my entire life. I wish I was joking about that. I mean, I have kind of bootstrapped my career. And so I haven't had a lot of people saying, well, you should do this and this will be a great thing. I mean, I think that the general notion of sort of playing to your strengths is a really important thing. Like understanding what you are uniquely good at or what sort of makes you feel good in your job and sort of move in that direction. And it's hard. It takes a while to find sort of what you're natively good at. And I mean, this might seem like a really simple thing, but I'm natively good at talking. I started talking before I could walk. My mom had like a crawling, chatty baby. And I've always been interested in talking with people. And so hosting, which I'm in between shows, so I'm about ready to start production on a new show. Can you break some news on time for coffee? (laughs) I wish wish it was breaking news. I mean, we have already sort of announced, well, I can't fully, fully announce it, but I'll be hosting a show for American Public Media about failure. Wait, can I congratulate you you on a show about failure? You may. Yeah, no. So I love hosting and I love that interaction with people. And I love writing copy and narration for me to then say and sort of using that. Like I love writing, but I was never going to like get a New Yorker cover story out of it. (laughs) The New Yorker doesn't do cover stories. The Atlantic say something like that. That just wasn't where my skill set was. Like I'm a very solid writer, but I was never going to like the world on fire with your prose. My prose. And so radio writing is slightly different. You're writing for the ear. And I was always a very literal writer. And so it made sense. Like all the pieces sort of fit together. And when I started doing audio, it was like, all right, why have you not been doing this before? But it's okay because because I built a really solid foundation that I could then use in audio. Okay. So I love the way you turned around the question into what your career advice is for job well, junkies, which well, is, yeah. Great. I mean, there you go. I mean, I have like much advice for young people. I mean, I've had a bunch of interns and I've sort of seen how people approach early careerhood and I know the many mistakes that I made. And I mean, I did not come from a family who had anything to do with media and grew up in Pittsburgh, which is not like the media capital of America. And yeah, just sort of had to figure it out by working in some small markets. And, you know, I didn't have a ton of people in those places saying, well, this is what you should do. And this is what you should do. I think a lot of people end up with mentors and I never did. And so I had to like make 8 million mistakes on my own, which is great because now I know that I can tell other people the pitfalls to avoid. So, <laughs> so could you just give us a quick overview of 
what pitfalls we have actually two journalism majors yeah. in the room as yeah. we're doing this recording. What should they avoid? All right. Well, I think rather than what you should avoid, I'll tell you what you should do. And then you can glean what you shouldn't do from that. What you should do is walk towards opportunities, even if you think that they have nothing in it for you. Or if you're interning or you're a really junior staff member, somebody asks you if you can do a thing, like a reasonable thing, not go wash my car. Nobody does that anymore. People are given real tasks to do, but they're not sexy. And I think a lot of people, what I have seen more recently is people want to run before they can crawl. And with journalism, with writing, with audio production, it's a craft. You're building muscles. And all of the things that you have to do to make something beautiful, a lot of them are tedious. And a lot of them aren't that fun. But like, I wrote a whole piece about the value of grunt work. And I really do believe in it very strongly that I still do it. You know, I've been doing this for a long time. And I'm still like doing the trash work that isn't fun, but has to be done. And so I think like being really open to what you're being asked to do, or making yourself available, asking how you can help seems really simple, but a lot of people don't do it. I've seen it a million times. Like I host a show. That's a lot of pressure on one person, even though there's a whole team of people making it happen. At the end of the day, I'm the one who gets complaints. And so to the extent that a younger person on staff could take some pressure off just by being helpful. What do you need? What can I do this, that? And not in like a, let me go get you coffee kind of way, like in a, how can I be of service? Coming up with ideas, being prepared in meetings. Hey, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this. What do you think about that? And having a sort of a quiet confidence about your ideas, not necessarily like my ideas are the best in the room. And if you don't take them, you're terrible. Cause I've seen that too. And I'm like, you are zygotic compared to like the rest of, you know what I mean? Like you're just starting out. Like, how could you have all of the best ideas? Like, you might have a couple of the best ideas. You're not going to know how to do all the things. Right. And understand that like nobody's asking you to do something that's frivolous and just for their benefit. I agree a thousand percent. And having that positive attitude, how many people have you worked with, Lauren, where you're in the room with them and you feel like they've sucked the energy out of it? And the young people who come in, like the young people who are working at Time for Coffee this semester, great attitudes, can do, want to do everything. And these are the young people who are going to break through. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I work with somebody who I see has a little bit of chutzpah, like I want to give them all the jobs. Like I work with some young people now who they're in their first job and when they are ready, like I would love for them to work for me or with me on a project. And I keep those in my head. I'm like, when I am in a position where I have jobs, producer jobs, like I hit them up. Like, what are you doing right now? You want to like do some work together? And they're all people who I have had previous experiences with. I am with you. Okay. We've got two final espresso shots here. What movies, if any, or fiction books, or I'm going to throw out their Amazon or Hulu or Netflix shows, do you think... Lauren, best capture this profession? Okay, well, All the President's Men is an amazing 
movie about the Watergate break-in. Robert Redford's in it, and he's a young Robert Redford. No, but it's great, and you get to watch sort of journalism sort of unfolding. So Spotlight about the Boston Globe, their investigative team, and investigating the Catholic Church sex abuse scandal. That is a fantastic movie, and I think very accurate in how it depicts the craft. There's a book I really love by Annie Prue called The Shipping News, which is about a very small-town newspaper, a guy who works at a small-town newspaper called the Gammy Bird. And it's just something that is delightful. And it takes place in a sort of isolated, small community. And it's like a really lovely sort of exploration of that. Yeah, I really enjoy media that depicts this craft. Final espresso shot. Yeah. What would young people be surprised to learn about this profession? People might be surprised to know the difference between recording something in a really basic way and adding some narration and putting on a computer is very, very different than what goes into making very high production shows like Radiolab, like This American Life, like shows from Gimlet Media or something like that, where the level of detail is so high and that, you know, there's scoring, there's soundscapes, there are sound effects, there's many, 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 many tracks. You know, you think of it like a really basic punk song versus like a symphony. And one isn't necessarily better than the other, but there's just a huge amount of work that goes into making something sound beautiful that you never notice. I think that's awesome. Lauren, thank you so much for making Time for Coffee today with me and the Time for Coffee community. I so enjoyed getting to hear some of your wisdom and insights, and I have no doubt that our listeners do as well. Well, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee. 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.